Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Welcome in. It's a Monday. It's a windy Monday. The Jack Weatherman told me 50 mile per hour gusts a little later on this evening. Yikes. I played the windiest round of golf I've ever played in my life on Saturday. My tee shot on 17 looked like a boomerang. That was going to come back around and hit me in the face. Unbelievable. <laughs> Welcome in. You want us now, ESPN Radio. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. Hopefully, it didn't blow off the face of the earth. It's going to get nice soon, I'm, I'm hoping. And uh, when it does, well, regardless, we'll be here every single weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. And also, we got ourselves an ESPN Montana app, so go download that. 
It's available on all your Apple devices right now. Working out the kinks right now for all of you Android users. So that'll be coming soon. No matter how you're watching or listening to the show, thanks so much for being here. We are coming to you through the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can always check out that inventory online at nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Ton of stuff to get to today. We're going to get things started off with the Montana football hour. Had some football over the weekend. Got the weekend kicked off with football. The Grizz spring game on Friday in Hamilton. What do we take away from it? It was a very, very, very vanilla. Very rudimentary. But we got some physical evaluations. You know, just watching the guys move. Looking at some of the physical development of some of the younger players. And we got some feedback from... Bobby Houck. So we'll hear from Bobby Houck as well as Aaron Fonts, uh, a guy that I think is going to be an emerging star if he can continue to hone in the mental part of the game. Tremendous athlete. So we'll hear from those two guys right at the top. We'll also talk, talk some Bobcat spring ball because the Bobcats are into uh, the heart of their spring ball. They started a couple weeks after Montana, so they will also finish a couple weeks after Montana. The uh, officially Grizz wrap up on April 8th. The Bobcats will wrap up two weeks and a day later on April 23rd in Bozeman. So we will have Nuanas now live from Bozeman on April 22nd because April 23rd is Saturday. So then we'll have a wrap on all spring football across the state here in a couple weeks. So we'll talk Grizz spring game and, and Grizz spring ball off the top. We'll talk some Bobcat spring ball, and then we'll talk about some offseason needs for the Grizz to put a wrap on the Montana football hour. And hour number two, oh, baby, one of my favorite times of the year. The NBA playoffs begin tomorrow. So our good friend Kyle Sample will be in studio with us to talk all things NBA. We'll also probably talk some Grizz and some Bobcats as well. Uh, he was not able to make it to the uh, spring game, so I'm sure he'll have some questions now. But to Kyle, he's a good friend of mine, a guy who's a, a recovering, or I guess at this point, recovered journalist. <laughs> he, he, uh, Worked at the Bozeman Chronicle for me and then worked at the Helena Independent Record and the uh, Missoulian and then worked for me again at Skyline Sports and uh, then decided he wanted to get a job that could help him afford life. So <laughs> he still pays attention to the NBA. He's kind of our NBA guru around here. He and Austin Tutel. So I look forward to having Sample and always fun to shoot the breeze with him. Another thing I really wanted to reinstitute is... I got this awesome library behind me. So myself and Ryan Tutel, when we used to have Tutel Nuanas here at ESPN Radio, we used to, just from time to time, grab books off the shelf and then highlight those books and, and maybe form some discussion from them. But I got to thinking, first of all, the book I am holding, if you're watching on television or on the app or on YouTube, is The Book of Basketball by Bill Simmons. And this, this has become sort of a, uh, a encyclopedia of NBA basketball. It's, it's sort of the history of the NBA from one man's lens, but, but incredibly well-researched. I mean, I'm talking dozens, if not hundreds of books Bill Simmons read 
to compile this. And it has his famous pyramid ranking all of the top players of all time. This book is now 10 years old. So he has then done a subsequent podcast series about some of the guys that maybe would be on this list or would be higher on the list. And uh, so there's been some revisions to it. But it's a great book, and I want to sort of use it as a, a fun prompt to do some discussions this summer because there's so many great parts of this book, so much great information. And he breaks down the, the NBA in, like, eras based on just what was happening within the league, both business-wise but also socially and culturally. The merger, all of the David Stern premonitions that turned into such unbelievable accomplishments. And it's like a history book on one of the greatest leagues in the world. And it's been, it's been so interesting. I got to think about this book for two different reasons. One, a couple Fridays from now, April 29th, the Gray Wolf Peak Casino is hosting an awesome event. It's a meet and greet with several former NBA legends, guys like Michael Ray Richardson, who played here at the University of Montana, as well as George Gervin, the Iceman, as well as Calvin Murphy, who was a both college and pro star. So that should be very cool up there on Evero Hill. But that got me thinking about the Iceman and thinking, all right, well, I got to read the chapter about the Iceman before I go to this event so I can, you know, have a refresher on uh, what's going on. I also then started watching Winning Time, the HBO series all about the origin of the Showtime Lakers. And I was thinking about how the, the first season is all in 1979 into 1980, which then, if you're watching the show and you don't know, which is so funny, uh, because <laughs> certain people uh, don't know what happens at the end of the 1980 season. For those that, that don't know, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it for you, but it's it's chronicled history, so I don't necessarily know if I'm ruining the surprise. But the Lakers win the NBA championship in 1980 behind... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but then Kareem gets hurt, and then Magic Johnson has his unforgettable legendary performance where he has 40-plus points. He subs in at center and has 40-plus points and uh, almost a triple-double and leads the Lakers to that victory to seal the series. And the Lakers and Magic Johnson and the NBA, that was a launching point for all three. And then they all launched into the stratosphere. You have the infiltration of and creation of the endorsement game, first by Converse and then by Nike. The episode I watched at Winning Time last night has the infamous scene when Phil Knight approaches Magic Johnson and offers him to be the Nike spokesman, and Magic Johnson says, nah, I already got, I already got Converse going to pay me hundred grand a year. And Phil Knight only offered $1 per sold pair of shoes plus stock options. If Magic Johnson would have taken that deal on that day, Magic Johnson would have made $5.3 billion off of that deal. Instead, he did not. He went with Converse. Still became a great spokesman and, and whatever. That's all to say, though, at that moment in time, when this is all happening, 1979 into 1980, the NBA was irrelevant. The, the NBA Finals weren't even shown on live television. They were all tape delayed and showed at night. There weren't network TV contracts. There wasn't the NBA on live primetime TV every single night. It was irrelevant. But that era sort of changed it and launched it into the stratosphere. I know the NBA has sort of ridden the roller coaster ever since then, 
in the post-Jordan era, they had a little bit of a, an issue, you know, sort of recapturing fans. But I think right now, with the combination of all the different factors, all of the phenomenal young players in the league, the, the guys that are veterans in the NBA that have continued to perform at such a high level and continued to be the, the sort of uh, the workhorse stars that, that the, the league always relies upon, combined with this whole new crop of guys, and then the guys that are sort of in the middle, the guys that are in their late 20s that are waiting for a chance to overcome or to take to take the place of guys like LeBron James and and uh, some of the other great veterans in the league. So I think the league is in a good spot. So it'll be fun to uh, use this book of basketball as, as a prompt from time to time um, to have some open-ended and broad discussions here about the NBA because we're going to be covering the NBA a lot over the next couple months. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, post-seasons in um, pro sports and certainly one that brings about a lot of time points. The NBA is just so fun to talk about because the conversation of legacy and carving out your own legacy and establishing or reestablishing greatness, the greatest of all time conversation, right? That's the most prevalent at this exact moment in basketball for a variety of different reasons. So we're going to continue to talk about all that sort of stuff, so it should be fun. Scotty Scheffler blew the field away in the Masters and then actually kind of had to hang on. Rory McIlroy made a phenomenal charge yesterday, shot a final round, 64 at Augusta to get to 7-under. Scheffler was sort of waffling between 10-under and 12-under. He ended up making a double bogey on 18, but the, the tournament had already been determined. That double bogey, though, probably cost some people some money because the final score is always a, a piece of betting in the Masters pool. I had my final score at 277 and Scheffler, because of the double bogey, finished at 276. So he definitely hurt me on that one. That's a bad beat, but I know I was not alone. The uh, the infamous three-putt that he had on 18, certainly for us betting folks, wasn't good. But nonetheless, what a meteoric rise. What an unbelievable rise, in fact, by Scotty Scheffler. A guy who was not even on the PGA Tour until 2020. A guy who didn't even qualify in the Masters until two two Masters ago. And a guy who wasn't even in the top 10 of the world rankings until he won his first tournament. He he won his first tournament and went from his first win to number one in the world in 54 days. That's five times faster than Tiger Woods did it and 10 times faster than David Duvall did it. Those are the only two guys that have ever done that in less than a year. Win a tournament, become number one in the world in less than a year. Tiger did it in 254 days. David Duvall did it in 512 days. Scotty Scheffler did it. In less than 60 days, less than two months, number one in the world because he won three out of four tournaments coming into the Masters. He is as hot as any golfer has ever been, truly, to win four PGA Tour events already. It's only April. That's crazy. The dude's made like almost $10 million this season already. He made $2.7 million yesterday alone. So a phenomenal performance by him, uh, a fun tournament overall. It was really tough watching Cameron Smith melt down uh, the middle part of the round yesterday, Smith went birdie-birdie to start, then equaled it out with bogey-bogey. Then he makes the birdie of the tournament on 11. With the combination of wind and the tee box placement and the pin made 11 almost unreachable. It's a 495-yard par-4, the beginning of Amen Corner, the infamous stretch in Augusta. And Smith 
made it, it was put it on the green, got a green in regulation. One of the only guys to do that. The only guy I saw live in my time watching the Masters this weekend to put it on the green on 11 was Cameron Smith. Then he drills a 25-foot birdie putt, and you're thinking, all right, here he comes. That's the birdie of the tournament. Hits it in the water on 12, hits it in the trees on 13, hits it in the trees on 15. Uh-oh. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's spiraling. He did stop the bleeding. He went from as high as 8 under to as to dropped five strokes to be at three under and sitting at sixth, and they came all the way back to finish in third. So talking about riding the roller coaster, you're kind of talking about hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars in between those placings, but uh, he ends up getting back into third. So Scotty Scheffler first, Roy McIlroy second, Cameron Smith the thir- third, and uh, we'll continue talking golf because I just think it's so interesting and so fun. Let's dive into the Montana Football Hour. We do... The Montana football and or basketball and or just general sports hour for the first Monday or first hour, excuse me, of each Monday show here on Nuanas now. The Montana football hour is presented by the advocates. You couldn't control when you were in an accident, but if you've been injured because of someone else's negligent driving, you can control who you call for help. The advocates will take over the details of your case. So all you need to do is rest and get better. 406 640 4444 call the advocates today. All right, let's uh let's talk Grizz spring game first and foremost. It was in Hamilton on Friday. Great facility, great field, great press box, and a great turnout. The capacity at Hamilton High School, 1500 people, and I'd say it was a sellout. It, it was maybe a couple short, but it was it was definitely a sellout. So good crowd down there on hand uh, in the Bitterroot Valley. And uh that was about it in terms of the exciting parts of this, I don't want to be negative about it. It was just an incredibly vanilla operation. Bobby Houck said he wanted it to last 75 minutes. It lasted 77. <laughs> Uncharacteristic for Coach Houck to be two minutes late, but he almost nailed it right on the dot about how far or how long he wanted the to, the action to last. From my football analysis standpoint, uh, from what I could truly analyze and tell. Uh, I thought that they ran two run concepts, inside zone and outside zone. And then I thought they ran two pass concepts. Uh, What you'd call a shtick, a stick route. Like the tight end stick is a very famous play in in Madden, if you play Madden. (laughs) They ran some sticks and they ran some floods. So everybody's flooding the wide side of the field. All the receivers are in the pass plays and everybody's, or the stick is just sort of like an inside post, an outside post on the wide side and then, the tight end just runs a stick route, and it's kind of an option route. And that was all they really ran. So because they only ran that and there was not really any play action or any misdirection or any sort of game planning involved whatsoever offensively, in turn, the defense knew what was coming. <laughs> so when it wasn't a run, you knew it was a pass, and you knew which kind of a pass it was. So the offense had a hell of a time. They didn't move the ball at all. I, I don't even recall a single first down in the first Two full quarters and then 14 minutes of the third quarter. Finally, the offense got on the board with a minute left in the third quarter. But uh, overall, hard to really take anything from an execution standpoint or, or uh, a game planning standpoint or a comprehension of the the mental side of it. Once I sort of realized how rudimentary it was and I realized it was just that – and the other part worth noting – Almost no plays for any of the true headliners for the Grizz. 
I, I don't think Robbie Houck got any action. Uh, Patrick O'Connell, nope. Alex Gubner, maybe a series, but not really. Eli Alford, not really. Um, Marcus Wellno, not really. Justin Ford, didn't see him out there really. Trajan Cotton had a pick on the very first possession of the game, and they didn't play after that. Corbin Walker had a pick on his first series. He didn't really play after that. Aunt Joe So, I didn't see him. Another corner that's probably going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, Garrett Graves, no recollection of seeing him on the field. Um, I'm trying to think of others. Nash Fouch, very limited in action. That's all the defensive guys. On the offensive side, no Marcus Knight, no Nick Osmo, no Isaiah Childs, no Junior Bergen. That's just the running backs. Mitch Roberts had one catch, and then that was a day for him. No Keelan White, uh, who's expected to be a big contributor uh, at receiver. No Gabe Sulser. <laughs> so uh, a lot of not a lot of reps for a lot of the guys that are going to be big contributors for the Grizz. Also, the offensive line, they did get a bunch of reps. I thought that they got rolled. Part of that's because the Grizz defense is good. Part of it's because the Grizz offensive line is young. And part of it was because the whole second half of the scrimmage, they flipped the line and they made them play the other side to try to get them reps. So, for example, Brandon Casey's likely going to be the starting left tackle for the Grizz. The second half of the scrimmage, he was playing the right tackle spot. Liam Brown, probably going to be on the left side at guard. He was playing on the right side. Conversely, Colin Dries, who's probably going to be the starting right tackle, was on the left side. Hunter McGinnis was flip-flopping on the guard spot. So it's basically A.J. Forbes was the only guy that was really man in his spot. Got to look at some of the other young offensive linemen. There's some talent there. I think they have a long ways to go to be able to, to fully execute and compete. Cole Grossman caught a long touchdown early on, the, the stud tight end, and that was the day for him. So it's all to say not a lot of t- reps for the proven guys, a ton of reps for the unproven guys. So by the time I kind of got a, a gist of what was going on, I basically just started watching the line play, which I thought the defense absolutely dominated. If this was live quarterbacks and live whistles, I'm not exaggerating. I think there was probably a dozen or more sacks. And if I was truly being honest and got the, the, the stat counter on it, maybe two dozen sacks? I mean, it was pressure city. The other thing was the quarterbacks did get a bunch of reps. I thought Lucas Johnson looked very average. N- nothing to write home about. That's also, though, because they weren't running any of their concepts, so that's a grain of salt. It was really simple, but Chris Brown really struggled. He was 4 of 16 throwing the ball. He threw a pick. It was a tip pick. He had a hard time getting the offense up and down the field. But again, they didn't have any checks or audibles or anything to go to, so I don't really know how to evaluate it. So because of that, Bobby Houck was very broad and vague and not really going into detail about his evaluation of it either, and that's fine. But here is Montana head coach Bobby Houck here on Nuanas Now. You're listening to ESPN Radio following Montana's spring game in Hamilton last Friday. Montana head coach Bobby Houck. How'd you think the guys did in a live game situation? Uh, well, it's not. It's, I don't know if you'd even consider it a live game right. situation. We're divided up. Um, we don't game plan each other. Yeah, I think it's hard to play offense when you're not game planning. So, I don't know. It was good. It was, I thought it was doing a penalty ball or anything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you can read what you want into it. I'm not going to take too much out of time. Did, uh, I guess, as far as what was on the field today, that looked pretty indicative of what you've seen kind of all spring? Maybe just some, some good plays, some growing? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think the spring's been really good. I think there's been some 
good performances. Uh, I'm really encouraged by a lot of guys that haven't played a lot of college football being more ready to do that. And uh, so, I don't know. I thought, I thought the spring was good. Uh, I don't know that today was great, but it was fun to be out here. What's your single uh, biggest takeaway from the spring? Gosh, I don't know that I, well, the single, I'll tell you what, the single biggest takeaway I've got from this spring would be I think we're going to have a good football team. I think we're going to be fun to watch. Uh, I think we've got great guys with great attitude, and I think we'll have a good team. You mentioned the young guys. How nice was it to I just get them on and play more than a few minutes, just really get them in game shape? Yeah, we actually played more plays tonight than I anticipated we would, uh, which is fine. We didn't get anybody hurt, which is big. Uh you know, we got a lot of good, hard-nosed live football through this spring practice. And, and uh, like I said, I'm going to be redundant here, but I, I thought it was a uh, uh, great improvement and great development for our young guys. What's next for the team? We'll get into a, a strength and speed segment here. And what we do, we'll have, we have about five weeks. Tough final suites over, so we'll get into a real. It's a dynamic speed segment we do every year at this time, and uh, then they'll they'll get a couple weeks, and we'll be back for the summer. So uh, never really ends for these guys. The exchange between the fronts. What'd you think of, of that? And uh, what'd you think of the pressure the deep fronts the front was able to get? Um, you know, I I thought we looked. Uh, I thought we looked quick off the ball on the defensive side. I didn't think we looked as sharp on the offensive side. A lot of those guys haven't played a ton of snaps together, so that probably plays into that a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was solid. Offensively, like you mentioned, not much game planning. So, I mean, was it pretty simple just in terms of what you guys were running? Yeah, very, very simple. I mean, it was just, I bet they didn't call more than five plays. Five plays, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, defense too. Yeah. You're looking at the spring as a whole, did the offensive line live up to the expectations that you had or what you thought they were uh, capable of? What? You know, I don't know. I'm, I mean, my expectation was to come out and work with try hard every day. So, yeah, they did that. Um, in terms of analyzing how far along they are, uh, I feel pretty good about it said overall the spring he felt was good like when he came in was it just kind of about that development is that what you feel like maybe you've grown a little bit over the last few weeks the yeah. last month really yeah i mean we had you know a lot of a lot of our guys that are, have been starters for us didn't didn't play a bunch today and didn't play a bunch of live action in the spring um enough to get them sharpened up we'll do that again in the fall but i i think uh I, I feel good about our team. I really do. I feel strongly that we're going to have a good football team. Does the current state of the uh, transfer portal and everything change a summer in, in any way as far as roster, as far as getting um, to fall, or is it not? No. I mean, you know, college football has changed. I, don't, I think that in college football right now, and we haven't, you know, we haven't been victimized by that very much. But across the, the country, I think you see college football teams are trying to assemble a team for August, and that's what it's going to be. We're thinking not August 2023 or 24. It's every, every year it's going to be try to get your assemble a team for this this fall, and then you reassemble the next year. That's just the way uh, it is, and that's the situation we've been placed in, and we don't really have any other way to do it.
Aaron Fonts seemed to show like he he's, can be a playmaker in both special teams and uh, at receiver. So, what do you think of his performance and what sort of strides has he made? Uh, Aaron's doing a good job. Uh, he's doing a good job at school. He's doing a good job in in the playbook, and uh, he's got great ability. He can really run. You know, he just he does a lot of good things. And I think the sky's kind of the limit for him. When he chased down Dylan Simons up the sideline behind the bench and then comes around, he's kind of a sign of his competitiveness, though, right? Yeah, he got he got uh, he got blocked into the bench and then he went farther. And you know, I don't know. I I'll see it. I don't know if they were out on the fields. So we had nowhere to go. I think by rule, you got to try to get back in right away. But he can run pretty fast. <laughs> Replacing guys on the offensive line, who are some of the guys who impressed you throughout the spring? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's day-to-day. Uh, I thought as a group they did a pretty good job. You know, I'm not big at singling anybody out as good or bad. But uh, I thought as a group they made progress. I think we'll be fine there. The specialists on the special teams, what sort of progress did you see in them? And, and where are you at just with those? Because there's a lot of inexperience there. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out. Yeah. On the line, I guess, is it is it tougher to replace guards or tackles? It's tough to find big guys from Pop Warner to the NFL. There are many. Indeed, there's not. If you want to, you always can. You can always read between the lines with Bobby Houck. I don't like doing that too much except for when you know somebody and you covered them for the better part of a decade, or at this point, actually probably more than a decade for myself and Coach Houck. Like when I ask him what the situation is with the specialists and he just blankly says, we're going to have to figure that out, it's because he knows it's a concern and he doesn't want to say anything more about it. They are going to have to figure that out for sure. Let's hear from another guy that was talked about there, Aaron Fonts. I think that Fonts is a guy who comes from Oxnard, California, Snowan is now, by the way, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Fonts came here from Oxford, California, along with Xavier Harris. And it's funny because of the attrition at running back last year, Harris was thrust into action much sooner than Fonts, even though Fonts was the more heralded recruit. They're both big-time recruits, both three-star recruits coming to the University of Montana. Harris was getting recruited by several Mountain Wests, including San Diego State. And Fonts was actually, once upon a time, committed, verbally committed, to Colorado State before he ended up coming, uh, flipping and coming to Montana. Fonts is incredibly fast. He might be the fastest guy on the Grizz. I, I bet you it's a, it's a pretty good race between him, Junior Bergen, Gabe Solser, guys like that. I, they, they're all three pretty fast, but Fonts is pretty darn fast. He, I noticed talking to some of the coaches last year, he had a, a I'm not going to say a hard time, but there was a learning curve for him, adjusting to college football and learning the schemes and things like that. But he has the talent to get on the field. He caught a touchdown on Friday night. He showed well, running routes in and out of his breaks. And then probably <laughs> the uh, the most entertaining moment in a, in a largely, I mean, again, everybody that's down there, if you had a fun time, great. I hope you did. I'm just a sort of a nerd when it comes to this stuff. I'm sort of a connoisseur when it comes to the X's and O's of football, of football the schematics of football. I wanted to see some of the stuff they were going to run this year. They didn't show any of it, so that was a little bit disappointing for me. But I also understand why they're doing that. It's not a criticism to the coaching staff. It's just a reality of the situation. You don't want guys to get hurt. You want to put too much stuff out there on film. You want to keep it simple. They were trying to just work fundamentals, so I totally get it. They're they're not trying to overload the guys with game plan stuff, any of that. But the most entertaining, probably the the 
the moment that made me laugh the most was late in the scrimmage, Daniel Britt, redshirt freshman quarterback from Vegas, is operating the offense with a bunch of the young guys in there. He mounts a pretty good drive down into the red zone. Then he's looking for fonts on a crossing pattern, and Dylan Simmons, who was also a highly recruited guy, he's also a redshirt freshman, he steps in front of the, of the pass, picks it off. Looks like he's going to go all the way up the maroon team sideline for a pick six. In the meantime, I was standing right there in the end zone with my brother who was taking photographs for us at SkylineSportsMT.com and my little nephew, Ellis. And Fonts almost gets, he gets, uh, he was running a crossing pattern right toward us. And right when the interception happened, Fonts was then blocked out of bounds into, almost into me. Well, savvy. You can't get away with this in a game, but it was savvy for a sort of a funny, casual moment like this. Fonts goes behind the grid. He gets blocked out of bounds. So he goes behind the Grizz bench and runs up the sideline out of bounds so no one can block him. And then comes back inbounds about 85 yards later and tackles Dylan Simmons inside the 10 to prevent a touchdown. Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz and our, our great colleague and friend here, he on the call on SWX Montana called Simmons for a touchdown. And I think probably he started looking at his notes and trying to reset for what was going to come next. And then you hear Grady Bennett, who was on the color commentating say, Oh no, Fonts comes out of nowhere and tackles Simmons. They ended up calling it a touchdown because I don't think the refs even knew what to call there. I've never seen a guy run the length of the field out of bounds, come back into the field to play and make a tackle. If it was against, you know, Northern Colorado or Idaho State or a Big Sky Conference team, Bobby Houck probably would have been pretty mad about it. But as you heard there, he was willing to laugh about it. It's Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Aaron Fonts, not only is he talented, I think he's got some star power too. He's a fun and funny kid. Here's just a couple of minutes from a guy I think could be a rising star for the Grizz, Aaron Fonts, following the spring game Friday. Are you faster uh, when you run behind the bench? Uh, no, I'm actually faster on the field, but you know, I just wanted to give him all effort so I could get that uh, play. I, didn't, I thought he was throwing it to me. I didn't want him to pick off me, but I'm faster on the field. How much, how much fun was that? Uh, it was real fun. You know, In his spring ball, we were all banging heads for about three to four weeks. So coming out here in Hamilton, playing for all the fans out here before the season, it was all fun. What's that like for a lot of you guys? You know, younger guys who are, you know, getting more reps and stuff and just, uh, you know, getting to, getting to play a little bit in front of some fans. Uh, it feels good. You know, my freshman year, I got, you know, not too many reps, but I got a few reps to just, you know, get game time. And now just coming into spring, I feel a lot more comfortable with the plays and all that. So just all around, just felt like a better player coming out here for the team. Seems like the offense was pretty simple today. So what do you guys get out of it, though, when you are kind of just running your, your basic concepts? Uh, just really just repetition, a lot of repetition. You know, we don't want to do our whole playbook and all that, but just our simple stuff, the stuff that we so we can go execute and just get on the field and just play. How would you kind of sum up how spring ball was, you know, the last month and just watching, you know, these guys kind of develop a little bit more? Uh, everybody developing. Everybody's getting better. You know, spring ball, like I said, we're banging heads. Everybody's getting hurt, but all together as a team, we're just getting better. Everybody's individually getting better. Yeah. When you guys kind of came in this spring, what were some of the biggest goals, and do you think you guys achieved some of those goals in this last uh, month? For sure, as wide receiver, the group of wide receivers, just to be more aggressive to the ball, to be aggressive with the corners. So I think we did uh, get that check mark on our goal for sure. And, you know, as me, just getting the plays down and just repetition and just coming out here and showing my full potential to play for the team. How do you feel the wideouts are connecting with the quarterbacks, especially two new ones? Yeah, uh, especially with Lucas, he coming in, it's, uh, it's real good. I mean, 
he coming from San Diego State. He veteran, so he just knows. He just got to get comfortable with us. But other than that, today was pretty good. I wish we could run a little bit more plays. But other than that, it was good. Do you feel like he's kind of taking command when he's in the huddle and really kind of separating himself? Oh, yeah, for sure. He's showing his leadership, you know, since he's a veteran. He's just showing that he's up there that he could lead the team when it's uh, time. So there you go. A little insight into the quarterback battle as well. I think there's sort of an assumption that Lucas Johnson, graduate transfer from San Diego State, who started nine games for the Aztecs last fall, including the bowl game at SDSU, sort of an assumption that he's going to be the front runner, especially as a graduate transfer. I think it's a good assumption. But a little insight there from Aaron Foss that uh, they're sort of treating him like he is the leader of this squad, at least from an offensive perspective. So interesting. Montana Football Hour presented by the advocates if your life was turned upside down because of an accident that wasn't your fault the advocates can help you no out-of-pocket expense until a settlement is recovered for you no need to stress the advocates will answer your questions and guide you through every step of your case call the advocates today 640-4444 or chat online 24-7 at montanaadvocates.com more Spring ball, we'll talk Grizz, Bobcats, offseason needs, everything in between. Also heard from Bobcat head coach Brent Vegan. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. The Grizz wrapped up spring football on Friday. The Bobcats notched another team win on the track Saturday. And Scotty Scheffler secured his first green jacket Sunday. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Friday night in the Bitterroot Valley at Hamilton High, the Montana football team executed their 15th and final session of spring drills. The simplistic non-game plan scrimmage included interceptions by Trajan Cotton and Corbin Walker, plus a near pick by Trevin Gradney in the first half, plus touchdown catches by Ryan Simpson and Aaron Fonts in the final quarter. The play of the evening came when the play of the evening came when freshman Dylan Simmons intercepted freshman Daniel Britt in the end zone and raced 85 yards the other way. But Simmons was tracked down from behind by Fonts, who ran the length of the field behind the Grizz bench before re-entering to halt Simmons' pick-six bid. Montana State continued its recent run of success in the annual Cat-Grizz duel on Saturday at the Bobcat Track and Field Complex. The Bobcat women easily cleared the Grizz by a score of 111-55 to for its fourth straight rivalry win. The MSU men won their eighth straight against Montana in head-to-head duels by outscoring the Grizz 88-67. For more on the individual results of this meet, tune into Nuanas now this week. And finally, Scheffler affirmed his status as the number one player in the world, shooting a final round 71 to finish 10 strokes under par and win the Masters Golf Tournament by three shots over Rory McIlroy. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Mama said to me
I'm not really sure what's better in life than a pleasant surprise. If you have expectations, so often expectations, people, places, things, they fail to live up to your expectations. You don't have any expectations. It helps your life, I promise. But I love nothing more than a pleasant surprise. It's New Orleans Now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Had some friends in town this weekend, and uh, one of my buddies was like, hey, get this concert uh, at the Wilma on Saturday night, Yola. That's who you're listening to right now. I said, oh, I've never heard of her. Okay, looked her up. I'd heard of the producer. Then I kind of learned that she was a, a little bit involved with the Highway Women, which is sort of a, a spinoff of the Highway Men from the 80s when Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and uh, Waylon Jennings, some of the old outlaw country guys, did a, a collaborative album or two. But the Highway Women also include Cheryl Crow, Brandy Carlisle. So some people that have been to Missoula, people that are very popular in Missoula. So I'm thinking, okay, live music, Wilma, cheap ticket. Sounds good. It sounds fun. Ford, blown away. What a concert. It was so unbelievably good. And it far so far exceeded. I had no expectations, but I was just like blown away. And I've been listening to this, the, uh, to Yola's two albums. Unbelievable. What a talent. I mean, she had like blues and rock influences, but also, as you just heard there, like the voice of Aretha Franklin. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, she did multiple covers. She did a couple Elton John covers. She did an Aretha cover. She did a, a, a Ella Fitzgerald cover. Billy Holiday. Unreal. It was such a good show. And I'm so glad concerts are back here in the Garden City. Let's keep on rolling with the Montana Football Hour. Montana Football Hour is presented by the Advocates. No need to stress, the advocates will answer your questions and guide you through every step of your case, no matter which way you've been injured. If you've been injured at all and it wasn't your fault, give the advocates a call, 406-640-4444 today, or you can always chat online 24 hours a day, seven days a week at MontanaAdvocates.com. No out-of-pocket expense until the settlement is recovered for you. So just remember, you need an advocate. Let's talk some Bobcat spring ball quickly, and then we'll get back into some of the needs that the Grizz have in the offseason. That might roll over into the second hour as well, because our good friend Kyle Sample is going to come in, talk some NBA playoffs with us. He'll also have some questions, comments, and concerns about the uh, Grizz football team, I'm sure. As a, you know, a recovered media guy who's now in the quarterback club, he's invested. He, he's in it. And uh, so I'm sure, sure we'll have some more Grizz talk in hour number two as well. Let's talk about uh, the Bobcats. A ton to replace at Montana State, including a couple of the greatest players in the history of the program. I, I know that Troy Anderson, his spotlight is so all-encompassing and so bright that it, it even was able to wash out a guy like Daniel Hardy this last year. I know Hardy got g- good returns during his senior year, but he had a historically great senior year. I mean, he had 25 tackles for loss and 17 sacks. The fact of the matter is, though, there was three other guys from the state of Montana, including Troy Anderson, as well as two guys for the Grizz, that sort of stole the, the votes in the Buck Buchanan Award voting from the Big Sky guys. Else, any other year, Daniel Hardy would have been a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award as well. That's all to say, though, even those guys sort of overshadowed great players like Lewis Kidd, Taylor Tuiasa-Sopo on the offensive line for the Bobcats. Chase Benson, a great defensive tackle, multiple-time all-league pick. Across the board, Montana State had a ton of talent last year. How do they go about 
remedying that? How do they go about replacing that? I mean, Lance McCutcheon at wide receiver, they, they just had so many guys that contributed at such a high level. So let's hear from Bobcat head coach Brent Vegan, and then uh, we'll have a couple questions. Andrew's going to ask me a couple questions just about the Bobcats moving forward. Here's Brent Vegan. This is from last Saturday out of Bozeman. A couple storylines out of Bobcat Spring Ball. I work. I thought our guys really came out and enjoyed themselves today, and that was the reminder kind of after practices. This isn't fun, and we got some issues. So I felt like today, because spring ball can be methodical, it can be a, it can be a grind. But I really appreciate the passion we had today, and uh, it'll be a good film to look at. You know, we're obviously continuing to work through our schemes and um, techniques, and, and also that depth chart. So uh, you know, pleased with our progress two weeks in, and. You know, we got three big weeks ahead of us. How do you make it fun? Because it's not always fun, like you say. Well, the weather helped today. Yeah. Uh, we had Josh Perkins DJing today. That certainly helped. Um, in the middle, we did, uh, you know, some special teams. Uh, we, have, we have teams that, uh, six different teams that compete in special team skills, essentially. We, I think we had some fun with that today. And I think the live work, I think anytime you, it's more spirited probably when you get a little competition going. So, yeah, it was, that was kind of the makings today. Do you still like spring ball? I know that some coaches don't really like it anymore. Do you still like it? No, I, I think it's so necessary. Um, you know, that's kind of how I was brought up. It's proving grounds. It's just, it's an opportunity for young guys to emerge, you know, experienced guys to continue to hone their craft. Uh, I think, you know, schematically take some uh, take some risk, experiment a little bit, because you're going to be a different team, you know, in the, the next calendar year, and that's, that's where we're at right now. So um, I like how we do it. We spread it out over five weeks, so if we're not, you know, day after day practice and the NCAA has uh, really gone away from, you know, promoting the back-to-back days. So, no, I, I really do enjoy it. Last week we asked you what position group had kind of taken that step in week one and you said the wide receivers group. Would you still say the same or would you maybe point at a different position group that really took this step this past week? Well, I think I think it's, it's collective yet. I, you know, I think the... I probably pointed to receivers in particular last week because that's where we lost the most uh, of production. Um, you know, I think on, on defense, you know, I, I like the way our you know defensive line is, is starting to shape up. Um, you know, that's a spot again where we lost a whole bunch of production, but we did play ten guys. So I think the the seven, the six guys actually, because you throw three starters and Byron Rollins into that group, we return six, but we want to get that group back up to 10, and some young guys on the outside of that six are emerging. Um, Sebastian Valdez, Blake Schmidt, Brody Greeby, Ben Seymour, David Alston, those guys that played last year, you know, you can see their level of play increasing Blake Blake Hale as well. So, um, you know, I think that group took some steps this week, and, and that's kind of what we need. You know, I think uh, fortifying our depth, um, but also finding playmakers. I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with both the receiver group and the D-line group and probably more so than any other positions. Coach, another group that you talked about last week that you're excited to see improve is the running backs. Did you see anybody else step up in that group this week? You know, I, I think uh, we'll have to continue to look at the film, but we've done more live work. Uh, Demarius Hosey, Lane Sumner would be the ones that would uh, come to mind, you know, initially. And Lane's... Um, you know, Lane had a, a checkered year because he was in and out and, and didn't. His opportunities were 
um, less than we would have thought. Um, but but I think he's a, he is a proven commodity. I think Demarius, on the other hand, is one that uh, hasn't got a lot of running games, and, and we're going to need him um, to, to step up. Um, and he's got that kind of ability. Elijah Elliott's been slowed up with uh, with a hamstring, so he wasn't out there this week uh, much at all. But uh, you know, I would say Demarius and um, Lane would be the two I'd point to. Uh, speaking of RJ, the, uh, what were the kind of the main reasons uh, you gave him 41? Well, um, I know the the 41 tradition has kind of evolved uh, over the years here. And, you know, I was told about it. And obviously each head coach has, um, I guess, the ability to do whatever he wants. Uh, but I thought it was, when it was explained to me, it was it was really important. I initially started with a couple guys back-to-back to work through their careers. And now it's been... Yeah, it's been mostly a senior um, since then. I think it has been a senior. Um, Brandon Conkle, Chase Benson, and now it was the decision to make, um, you know, who is our Montana senior that uh, I think best represents, you know, uh, everything that we're about. And while we ha- he's not the only Montana senior, I, I think it was. Um, it was a... It wasn't too complicated, I guess, to, to put RJ in that role. He's there. Uh, his work ethic is is off the charts. His story of how I think he believed in himself more than anyone else, and he's made um, made a career that maybe a lot of people didn't see that he could make here. Um, his leadership, uh, his intensity. I mean, his you know he was really our best special teams player last year, and that typically wouldn't go go to a fullback. And you know his. Shoot, he played through the injury last year. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited because I just, I do think um, that's very important uh, that that we can recognize a, a Montana senior each and every year. And, you know, I'm excited that, you know, that torch gets passed from Chase to RJ this year. There you go, Brent Vegan, Montana State head football coach, talking some spring stuff. The one storyline there that he was addressing at the end, Montana State has a legacy number. I know that a lot of Grizz fans are salty about it because the Grizz have had I think 15 or 16 number 37s, a tradition that dates back to 1986. The Bobcats just on their fourth number 41. But, I don't know, it's fun. Just have fun with it. Regardless, R.J. Fitzgerald, actually the son and nephew of two former Grizz, now a senior for the Bobcats from Dillon, Montana. He is a fullback, and he will wear number 41 for the 2022 season. So cool for him. Nuana's now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Go down that, don't go download that ESPN Montana app. You can stream this show every day on the ESPN Montana app. You can also check out Grizzly Lacrosse. They have their final home weekend of the year, this upcoming weekend. You can also check out Grizz Hockey, and we got a whole bunch of other exciting additions coming down the pipeline. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some ins and outs, some questions and answers, some things that we think now that spring ball's a wrap at Montana and spring ball's winding down at Montana State, what are some of the big storylines? What are some of the questions we still have? What are some of the big position needs for the Grizz this offseason? You have questions. We got answers. Andrew's got questions for me. We'll do that here on the Montana Football Hour right after this. The Montana Football Hour presented by the Advocates. If your life was turned upside down because of an accident that wasn't your fault, the Advocates can help you. There's no fee until the Advocates recover a settlement for you. So you have nothing to lose. Call 406-640-4444 to talk to your advocate today. Question and answer about spring football in the Treasure State. Here on ESPN Radio, keep it right here. Nuana's now. 
Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. So just call the Jamestown Ferry. It's not a hot day, January, like she said it'd be if she ever left me. A case of gone. On the concert tour here in Missoula, at least for me, for this guy, Charlie Crockett, that's who you listen to right now. So a little, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, like country folk, I guess. Great artist, coming through town next weekend, so should be a fun one. Welcome back, Nuana's Now ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Montana Football Hour marches on, we're up against a little bit, so this is going to bleed into hour number two. We're going to talk all things NBA playoffs. As well as some Grizz and Bobcat spring football in hour number two. But we'll uh, get this first hour wrapped up with at least a couple questions about the, the two programs. The Montana Football Hour is presented by the Advocates. You couldn't control when you were in an accident, but if you've been injured because of someone else's negligent driving, you can control who to call for help. The Advocates will take over the details of your case, so all you need to do is rest and get better. You can call the Advocates 406-640-4444 at any time today. Um, well, let's bring in our producer, Andrew Howden. Uh, Andrew, we're going to have some more questions probably uh, later on in the show and later on this week. But what is the number one question you have coming out of the spring game in Hamilton on Friday about the Grizz? About the Grizz? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to have you ask me one about the Grizz, one about the Cats, and then we'll come back to this when Sample's in, and we'll probably hash this out a little bit more this week because, I mean, it's that time of year. There's lots lots to talk about, and we, we sort of burned up a lot of airtime just hearing from the subjects here uh, today. Yeah, I think I think for the Grizz it would be, um, you know, not so much as, as what do you want to see at the end of the spring game. I mean, you talked about how kind of – uh, difficult it was to draw conclusions from. What do you want to see from them coming into fall camp now? What do you want to see sort of that first week of fall camp, which will be the, the next time that we really do see them? Well, so I, I guess my biggest, I know sometimes I, I get sort of caught up in, in when, <laughs> when it doesn't, when, when what plays out isn't what I wanted to watch. I sometimes get, get uh, ruminating on that. But here's my number one positive takeaway I had from the Grizz on Friday. It is 
honestly amazing and, and dare I say, even astounding how many pretty good players they have on the defensive side of the ball. Like, you notice when Robbie Houck isn't out there or Garrett Graves because those guys are like headliner-type safeties, but there's really no difference and that much of a drop-off when David Copang and Jackson Lee are out there or uh, Ryder Meyer was a guy that flashed to me uh, over the weekend. Like, there's, you know, you don't see a number 37, Jace Lewis, out there, but if you if they weren't wearing numbers, you wouldn't even really be able to tell a difference between guys like Ryan Tyrrell and Tyler Flink and Carson Rost. I mean, you've written about this a bunch. It's so funny how they almost have like this factory conveyor belt line of six foot two, 225-pound linebackers that are all built so similarly. They all run really well. It's amazing. And so I think that's that's the thing. My brother and I were talking about this. If you took the jerseys off and you take out maybe just a handful of the absolutely elite players like Patrick O'Connell and Justin Ford, so many of the guys look so the same. And I think they're getting to the point where they can not just rotate too deep. If if they had catastrophes at multiple positions, they could still get by because they're so they have so many guys that are pretty good. Like you and I were talking about, the Grizz have so many inside linebackers that would be pretty good if not starting players at um, other Big Sky Conference schools. That's all to say, I think that the Grizz have some definitive huge holes on their roster. The fact, though, is that they're definitive. I think that's a better position to be in than to have vague or wondering holes or you're you're inconfident in your ability to, to evaluate so you don't really know. They got to find a long snapper, a putter, and a kicker. They got to. They absolutely have to. Bobby Houck, I asked him about it. He said, yeah, it's an issue. That's it. That means To me, that means they're shopping. They are out there trying to get guys. They're bringing – Cameron Capser will probably be in the mix as a kicker coming off of a knee injury last year. He was a redshirt freshman from Building Central last year. Patrick Rohrbach could be in the mix at both kicker and punter, the kid who was coming in from Kalispell Glacier. And uh, I think that the young long snapper that they have, uh, I think that he has a – a chance to get better. He's just going to have to work on it. But that's one of those positions between April and August, you really can get a lot better at long snapping if you just sit there and work at it. So is he going to work at it? I think that that'll be a key. And I also think that they got to just find another another guy or two on the offensive line. Does, does not look like Dylan McGinnis is going to work out. Hunter McGinnis came in and started and was an all-league player last year. It sounds like Dylan McGinnis has some health issues that are kind of beyond his control that might cause him to hang it up. That's not fully confirmed yet, but it's pointing that way. He did not really participate in this spring series. So I think that they they need to find a body or two on the offensive line, and I think they need to take care of those specialists. Nuanas now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. All right, I'll, I'll make the answer quick. What do you, What is your big, biggest question about the Bobcats? Well, I... I was going to ask something deep sort of about the transfers. I love that quote from Bobby Houck about having to build the team up again every August. And I was going to ask you, do you think that's something that Montana State needs to do? I mean, how active are they going to be shopping in the transfer portal? Or is it because they uh, sort of had that progression, they have that building of the team from from last year? I mean, they have the culture that they've built up. And like Brent Vegan said, they haven't been hit too hard with people leaving in the transfer portal. Is that something that's not going to be as... Um, you know, forward for them as it is for a lot of other teams like the Grizz? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I do think that Montana State, because of the great recruiting that Jeff Choate's staff did, they have a little bit more 
uh, fortified ranks, although Montana has so many good young and up-and-coming players. I mean, I think 63 guys on their roster are underclassmen, and you sort of see that with a lot of the high-profile guys that are on the team that are already getting playing time as freshmen and sophomores. But I think that the Bobcats, even though they lose Chase Benson and Amandre Williams and Daniel Hardy on their defensive line, they played 10 defensive linemen last year. Guys like Sebastian Valdez with an, uh, an elevated role is going to be a really good player. He's incredibly talented. And they have a whole bunch of guys like that. The other thing about trying to replace a guy like Troy Anderson is it's not actually a question because there is no question. You can't replace him. But what they were doing with him on defense is beyond the realm of even possibility for almost any other FCS player. Like, they were playing Troy Anderson as the inside linebacker who's calling the defense, who's also like your plug on the outside, who can bump to big nickel and cover the slot receiver, who's also running coverage but also blitzing off the edge, there, there's never going to be another guy that's asked to do that. So you don't even have to replace him in your defense. I think you can just have to, if you want to run those same elements, just find two, three, four guys that can do it or simplify it and run some different elements as well. I mean, that four-two-five defense that they run, which is a, a stem from the great Scotty Hazelton defenses at North Dakota State, you know, Gus Bradley has that same influence. I think that if you have the that defense, it's sort of malleable depending on your personnel. I think that's what MSU will do. We're going to come back to that because that's a good question, and we'll keep on rolling with some football talk, but also some basketball talk, the greatest league on the planet, the National Basketball Association. Cal Sample just walked in. We're going to talk some NBA playoffs, some Masters, and some Grizz football right after this. This has been the Montana Football Hour, presented in part by the Advocates. If your life was turned upside down because of an accident that wasn't your fault, the Advocates can help you. There's no fee until the Advocates recover a settlement for you, so you have nothing to lose. Call 406-640-4444 or chat online at 24-7 at MontanaAdvocates.com. The Advocates, proudly presenting the Montana Football Hour, the first hour of each Monday show here on Nuanas Now. Hour one of the books, hour two coming at you. Kyle Sample in studio, NBA, Masters, college football, and more. Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront, out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406 406- 640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 